Rock Solid Radio wants to thank Maxwell Construction, who has been our sponsor since the very beginning. For over 30 years, Maxwell has delivered the highest quality projects by holding to their core values of customer satisfaction, positive attitude, respect, and excellence. So if you have any kind of commercial construction need, give Maxwell Construction a call today at 812-537-2200. Welcome to Rock Solid Radio. This is Merle Hutchinson alongside of my bride of 35 years, Linda. How are you today, Linda? 35 years. You can't even even imagine. I'm not even 35, so I don't know how we've been married for 35 years. You can't imagine you could tolerate me for 35 years, could you? I was young. (laughs) (laughs) No. All right. Well, man, today we are excited Mm. because we have a special guest that's joining the Rock Solid Radio program. And today we're going to talk divorce and marriage Mm. and things of that like. And to help us do that, we have special guest Kelly Calabrese. Kelly, thank you and welcome to the Rock Solid Radio show. Oh, Marilyn, Linda, thanks so much for having me. It's my honor to be here. I'm so happy to do it. So Kelly is an author, a speaker. She is a wellness coach, divorce coach. And so Kelly, we asked you to come on just because this is a lot of our clients. These are a lot of our listeners who are experiencing um, just really a rough patch in their life. Um, A lot of women coming out of divorce. And so men, obviously, too, it takes two. But um, we really want to really dig into how can we help our listeners? How can we help Um, Our families be stronger. Um, Rock Solid Families is all about really the mission and vision of strong and healthy families. And sometimes we come into relationships with with wounds and with scars. And and so we really want to just see how we can help families get stronger. Well, I love your heart to do that. It is so needed. So thank you for the ministry that you have through your radio program. Yeah. Yeah, we do. You know, we see a lot of our work kind of from two angles. And one of them is kind of we think of as almost the emergency room angle. And that's that's the here and the now. That's what walks in our office. And that's what we actually do as, as coaches. Um, but we really would like to see that drop down and be more on the proactive side mm-hmm. and help uh, help couples even before they get married, help people get their life right, their mm-hmm. their understanding of faith and God and how that plays in. We'd like to be much more proactive so that maybe 10, 15, 20 years down the road, we are not seeing the, mm-hmm. the things that we see. And so, um, yeah. you know, you're obviously, you have a story here and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be able to help us with both sides. Like, what do you do in the emergency yeah. room of this? But also, like, what could we do on the other side so that we could be preventative? Yeah. So let's get started, Kelly. So tell us a little bit about Kelly Calabrese and just a little bit of your background. Okay, yeah, I have had such a blessed life. I grew up in New York and New Jersey, uh, two amazing, hardworking, blue-collar parents, and I knew really early on what I wanted to do. So I got into fitness, nutrition, and wellness, and really was an incredible 35-year career of owning and operating health clubs, managing corporate fitness centers, writing, teaching, consulting, editing. I got to speak all over the world, write best-selling books. And it's just been a really incredible journey. I have two amazing kids that are 21 and 22 now. So it's fun to have this adult relationship with them. And it, it just truly has been a very blessed life that I'm so grateful for. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I actually, uh, I knew about you through the fitness world. 
I think we were connected on LinkedIn because I'm also in the fitness world a bit Mm -hmm. myself and do some different things there. So uh, Mm -hmm. when Linda, we were talking about your name, I'm like, oh, that's a familiar Mm -hmm. name to me. I've seen I've seen her before. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I, I did speak on a lot of the stages in our industry and I got to edit our industry's leading magazine. And because I've been doing it for so long, you know, I, I just know a lot of people because I was in the trenches when, you know, equipment was just being made and I got to do infomercials. And so it was really a lot of fun to have that platform. Yeah. yeah. So tell us how you got where you are today. You know, what were some pivotal points in your life that have really maybe um, changed the direction of where you are today? Yeah, so big turning point for me was we did move from New Jersey to Dallas, and that was at the time for my husband's job. And just love being here in the buckle of the Bible Belt. Been here 17 years now, but really mm-hmm. thought things were going pretty well. You know, living the dream and the million dollar home and all the luxury cars and vacations and you know all the things. And was really blindsided when my husband of 24 years came home and said, "My commitment to our marriage is zero, and he left. And it just put me into shock. Mm -hmm. And it was a very difficult journey. There was a lot of unreasonably difficult things that happened in the year, two, three years following that. But I decided that I needed to make it my mission to be well. And I made it a full-time job. And I did whatever I could do to heal my heart, to heal my soul, to make sure that I never repeated this again and to do what I could to make my kids whole again. And so I was very, very committed and seeking the things that I could find to help me understand this and um, to just readjust in a healthy way. And it took a couple of years. <laughs> you know, I wish there was like one shortcut to it, but you know, knowing what I now know, I can help other people accelerate the process. But that was a major turning point in my life. I mean, there've been things I've lost, you know, parents and there's been death and car accidents. And, but the biggest turning point for me was the divorce because my identity really was lined up as his wife. And so it was a complete, you know, readjustment of who I was. The word healthy, I hear you say over and over again, is a huge theme for me when I work with a woman who has been devastated or betrayed or just blindsided, as you mentioned. And, you know, and it, the reaction can be all over the place, right, of just victim or revenge. And, and the point is we want to help women and, and couples and families get healthy. And so tell us what was some of the initial advice, the, the helpful things that really helped you kind of initially get healthy? Yes. You know, I had had friends who had been divorced, but not having been divorced, I have to say I was a terrible friend. Like I really didn't know the depths of how guttural, like right down to your soul that divorce can be. So I wanted to be a better friend to my friends, um, you know, now being ahead of them, if they're going through this, but you know, some friends came along and they're well-intentioned, but just not necessarily equipped. You know, you don't even know what to say if someone's house burns down or they lose a child or they're going through it. Sometimes you're just not equipped. So there were things that were not helpful. And I know intentions were good, but were hurtful. Things like, oh, you'll be better off. You'll be so glad he left you. You'll be thanking him one day, you know, and now five years later, I can say that. <laughs> but in the moment, it was like, <gasps> you know, just shock and horror. So I went on retreats, I went to conferences, I hired coaches, I went to counseling, I read the books, I watched the TED talk. I mean, I 
really did a lot of things. And it was bits and pieces of things that I picked up that really peeled back layers. One of them was when I got certified as a divorce coach, I did that for me. I didn't know I would be a divorce coach, but it was just more knowledge, more content. And one of the things that I found out was the person who leaves on average has been thinking about it for two years. And that was just a revelation to me, like, wow, he's got a two-year head start. Like he's already been thinking about what he's going to tell his parents and what he's going to say at work and where he's going to live and what where I was blindsided. I was like, oh my goodness. Like I he was way ahead of me. So just that knowledge really, really helped. And then another friend, you know, my former husband was re-engaged and remarried in a minute. I mean, it was just like an assault on me. And I remember seeing on social media that he was remarried and it was just like, you know, you think you're doing okay, but it was a massive trigger. And a friend of mine said, Kelly, you're depressed and it's good. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, how could, yeah, that doesn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't sound good at all. She goes, you're on the upswing. Depression is on the upswing. I'm like, what are you talking about? And in all of my years, you know, being a faithful person and studying personal development, I, no one had ever shown me the grief cycle. So that was another knowledge piece of information that once I understood that, like, oh, you start out in shock (laughs) and then there's the numbness of, you can't even, your brain isn't working. I mean, the PTSD sets in, then there's the denial of, okay, no, this isn't happening to me. This isn't real. This isn't happening. And then there's the emotional outbursts. And I was never really an emotional outburst type person And then there's the anger. And I was never an angry person, but I found out there's different forms of anger, like bitterness. That was me, capital B. I was bitter (laughs) and I was justifying my bitterness. And then there's fear. And again, I was never really a fearful person, but you start thinking about your future and you go into fear. And then there's just like the searching, like, okay, how am I going to land? And where, what about the kids? And what about school? And what? You know, and then there's this chaos time of, you know, moving the home and moving the kids and the dog and, you know, all of that and the holidays and then panic can set in. I had never been a person who had a panic attack in my life and I was just hyper anxious and I I ground my teeth down to nothing in a six month dental visit where the dentist was like, what happened? I mean, Mm. I would just wake up with my nails just into the flesh of my palms and just sit up in bed going rejected, rejected, rejected. I mean, Mm. it was, I didn't even recognize myself. And then there's guilt because you feel like you destroyed your family, even though you didn't do it. And then there's all the loneliness. And of course, COVID divorce doesn't help. And yeah. you know, there's the isolation, but eventually you get to depression. <laughs> so when my friend said, <laughs> Brian, I'm just depressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like a, and I even went to a counselor and he, you know, he has you do the profile and he looks at my profile. He goes, Kelly, I've done tens of thousands of these sessions. You're one of the healthiest people that I know you're not psychotic. You're not neurotic. You're not, you know, narcissistic. You're none of these things. You're so empathetic, but you're depressed. And it was like, someone said I had cancer. I was like, wait, you don't know who I am. Like I'm the coach. I encourage everyone else. I can't be depressed. But again, the knowledge of, okay, what am I pressing down? And in this process of grief, you're almost getting ready to (laughs) re-enter. And so then when you get past the depression, then you're looking for, okay, new strengths, new hope, new pattern, new relationship. And you get to the point where I got where you start helping other people. Mm. And that's when you really adjusted to the loss. And that's part of the process of the lost adjustment when you can be ahead of someone and help them. And then I 
took it to a whole nother level where I really learned how to build joy. And so at some point you have to stop the grief and start building the joy muscle. So those are just some of the the many highlights that I, I wish that I knew before, yeah. but it's been a process. Yeah. Kelly, um, I want to go back because you said something that I think is really interesting. And that is, you know, your, your ex-husband had a two year jump start on <laughs> you. That's crazy. Okay. And that's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, his brain had already been formulating lots of the answers to the questions that you got slammed with. So looking back at that, um, can you think of things that were red flags that now you go, Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that was a sign right there for me. And it just, I looked right through it. Were there different warning signs or was this like, no, like he was Mr. Perfect all the way to the day he. He definitely was not Mr. Perfect. I think it was more on me that I just had this ideal that we were this happy family and, you know, everything was great. And he, you know, our entire marriage, he was overweight by a lot. He was morbidly obese. Uh, he can never hold a job. So a lot of it was his self-esteem where um, he wasn't the provider in the family. And I don't mean to put him down at all, but I think his self-esteem was so low. And I was always this super achiever. I was on TV. I was, you know, all the best-selling author. And so I think part of it was he just got to a point where he kind of felt like a failure, even though I didn't make him feel that way. I think he felt that way. So looking back, that was one of it. Um, I believe, you know, he, he did find, think the grass was going to be greener somewhere else if he had a fresh start. Mm -hmm. So you still have to hold the mirror up and say, what was my part in it? So that was part of my healing. And for me, um, I was the idealist. I was the perfectionist. And you usually wind up getting in two ditches. So his dish ditch was kind of foolish, lazy, you know, kind of go through the motions, you know, mediocre life. And I was like, things are going to be great. We're yeah. going to have the best of everything. The kids are going to have the best tutors and coaches. And so I, because he became, you know, sort of foolish, lazy, I became hyper-controlling perfectionistic. Mm -hmm. So looking at that going, you know what? I probably was not a whole lot of fun to live with because I was always like bearing down, like we're going to get this right. And we're going to get, they're going to go to church and have the best camps. Yeah. And so you have to hold the mirror up and say, what was my part in it? So, it, you know, it, it's complex when you can look now from that hundred foot view and look back, I, I'm together with him and God may have been able to correct things. But when you take two broken people and you put them together and you do that for 25 years, you've got the two hurt people that hurt each other and you just get in this vicious cycle. And the number one need that all of us have is to be unconditionally loved. And he would probably say that I loved him conditionally because I always wanted more. I always wanted to, you know, I'd love for him to be more fit or to have a steady job. And But the number one need a man has is respect. And while I didn't intentionally disrespect him, it was, I think he, in his own heart, he knew that he wasn't holding up as the leader in our family. He wasn't the provider. He wasn't the spiritual leader, all of that. And the number one need a woman has after the unconditional love is to feel secure. And mm -hmm. I never had security in him. So mm -hmm. now I'm in the fear of I have no security in him and he's in the she's disrespecting me. And you get into this vicious cycle. Yeah. So again, it's easy to look back and see now, but when you're in it, it's not as easy to see because he starts going, well, she's not disrespecting me. I'm going to you know, do more things that make her feel less secure. And then I feel less secure. And then I'm not going to respect him because he's not doing the things I need to feel secure. And you go round and round and round. 
Kelly, can I just tell you that what you just <laughs> kind of went through right there is, um, first off, it speaks very highly of your uh, willingness to have humility. Yeah. Um, we talk about all the time, um, you have to own your part of it. Right. And when you're hurt, you go into a defensive uh, attack mm-hmm. or passive aggressive mode. And so it's, you got to figure out, you know, what this person did to you. And the idea, as you said, we really don't get true healing until we see our part in whatever it is, whether it was mm-hmm. a little part or a big part or whatever, but it was the interplay, how mm-hmm. you guys did relationship that you didn't love each other the way each other needed to be loved. Right. And, you didn't, and we don't understand that sometimes until it just finally blows up on us. But I just yeah. appreciate first off the idea that you have a heart that you can say it wasn't like this guy was a bad mean evil dude it was just that we were not we weren't speaking the same language we were dismissing each other and over lots of time you know we just we fell apart so yeah yeah I hear you say Kelly two two reasons we share all the time that people are stuck and one of is that they minimize the problem oh it's good we're fine everything's great and then the other one is projection like it's someone else's fault if you did this I would be better we would be better and so we just stay stuck we just wallow in it when we continue to do that let me ask you this about your kids Kelly how old were your kids when you guys divorced uh, my daughter was 16 and my son was 17, really just turned 18. Yeah, like a, a few weeks before. Yeah. Yeah. So how did this all affect them? Uh, you know what? When you're hurt, you're going to do something and you can pick what that thing is. It's, you know, kind of a handful of things you're going to do when you're hurt. You can isolate. You can be outwardly angry. You can try and be the best one. So be the, you know, the best at school or the perfectionist or Um, You can be the sick one. You know, there's a couple of you pick, take your choice. When your heart is hurt, you are going to do something. So they did, you know, and (laughs) my son was angry and he actually took off. He went to New Jersey to live with my mom and my daughter really isolated and and latched on to a boyfriend and his whole family. So that became her family because you're always seeking, how do I find love? Mm-hmm. And so even if it's in a negative way, like I'm going to be the rebellious one, because that's another form of getting attention, even if it's not positive attention. Yeah. So, you know, again, recognizing now with this hindsight, when we're hurt, we're going to do something and we're building walls of protection around our heart. That's why when you see people who really have mental illness, they'll have multiple personalities because they had to create all these different things mm-hmm. to keep protecting the layers so thankfully now they both became prodigals, you know, they just ran off and did their thing. And when someone is hurt, someone does need to be the bad guy, especially when you're a teenager. I mean, it shouldn't be that way. There shouldn't have to be a target, but you're always going to look for the strong one in your life. And obviously God should be that for all of us. Cause he can take it. He can take anything. I mean, he's <laughs> sovereign. He's good. He doesn't change, but on earth, they look for the, the strong one. And that was me. So they knew no matter what, I was going to unconditionally love them. So they need a place to, you know, throw the darts and be the punching bag. And so I was it. And I didn't know that either at the time because I was, you know, just trying to figure out my own suffering and keep their lives going. And so now I know that. But in the moment, it was the word of all the things that happened. And a lot of things happened. Even in that first year, I moved four times, uh, the you know, broken bones, car accidents, sick dog, sick whore. I mean, 
just unreasonably difficult things. It was tough to keep my business going. I just couldn't think. He got reengaged, remarried. I mean, it was like an assault. My son moved across the country. I lost my son. I mean, it was a lot. Um, but the kids were the the most hurt because you would expect them to come alongside you and go, "Oh, mom, you know, we're so sorry." And you know, we, you know, we see you're the one hurting. But it wasn't. <laughs> did you feel like how they see that? Yeah. Did you feel like you were even singled out more as the punching bag more so than your ex-husband, their father? Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. And and my son more came alongside his his dad at the time. Um, and now he sees him for who he is and he still respects and, and honors his dad as he should. Um, my daughter has not really forgiven him yet and of the all the things that I went through, I did create my own program of the things that I wish that I knew when I started this process to help other people. But forgiveness was the second thing after identity that it took me a good three years into this process mm -hmm. to forgive him, but even more important to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. That was a bigger thing than I realized because I felt like such a failure. This wasn't supposed to happen to me. I was the good girl. I was the good wife. I was the super achiever. I was always doing things right. And I needed to forgive myself. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the hardest things to do. And, you know, forgive my kids. And it just, it took time. These things don't happen in a minute, even with all the professionals helping you. It does take time, but it also takes intention because time alone will not heal. I mean, right. we see people decades later that are still devastated from a divorce or you know, the loss of a loved one, loss of a job. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we see that all the time. Adult yeah. children or teenage children whose mm -hmm. parents divorce and they're trying to figure out, they feel like they're having to pick sides and they don't even know who to trust and they're trying to find that security and 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 yeah, and they, they bring those wounds like your daughter did maybe into a relationship they're not ready for. They're, they still have gaping wounds they have not healed right. So yes, as we continue to talk about healthy, we would say anybody in that situation, the children, the, the ex, whatever, needs to get some help to get some of that perspective of, okay, what's rational thinking, what's not? What's hurting me, what's helping me? Yeah. yeah and it good. should really be, I'm sorry, I was gonna say, it should be the, a grief season, not a grief cycle. Because the cycle means you keep going round and round and round and round, like get out of the cycle, <laughs> yeah. make it a season, get out of the valley, get back to the mountaintop, and, you know, it's not just this linear, better, 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 better. It's like, you know, yeah, it's yeah, messy. It you think you're doing good, then you get triggered and then you have a setback. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, Christmas or your anniversary or, mm -hmm. you know, a graduation, a wedding, whatever happens. But yeah. you have to have the intention with the time. And even in, you know, the Jewish religion, grieving is for a season. It is not meant to go on forever. They do 30 days and then they continue to, you know, honor the person who passed, but you don't stay there. Right. Right. So Kelly, you talk about the idea of certain things when you're, you talked before about being intentional. And so you pre did, you pre-decide things. The idea, so what are some of the things that you finally said, okay, I am pre-deciding I am going to what to help yeah, so yourself. I get to decide about everything. So I pre-decided that I am not going to be offendable. Why would I be so easily offendable? I just wasn't going to be, I decided that my peace is too expensive. That price was paid and it was too high for me to give up my peace. So I pre-decide that I'm going to wake up every day and say, God, here I am. Here's my car keys. Here's my cell phone. Here's my computer, my brain, my body. What, what are we going to do today? Because your plan is better than my plan. 
So mm -hmm. those are just, you know, some of the pre decisions that I make that, you know, I can't afford to take my eyes off of God. It is not worth it. So I just pre decide to stay in peace and joy. And that's my barometer for all things. I love what you said about it was too price, too high of a price to pay, but you didn't pay it. Your husband didn't like Jesus Christ paid that price for you. So you could have peace. You could find joy even in the hardest circumstances. So, so many women have kind of become dependent on their spouse for their peace, for their joy, for their security. When Christ alone says, I need to be that. I am the one that died for you. I am the one that gives you these gifts. And so sometimes it's just kind of shifting mm. your allegiance to the right one on the pedestal, right? Like he's the one we worship. He's the one that we go to. Well, the danger, hun, as you say that, like I'm reminded of how all of us, whether it's a man or, or woman, how you can put your allegiance, mm -hmm. I could put it in my job. My job is a thing that mm -hmm. I put faith in and it completes me. My kids, we mm -hmm. see that all the time. You know, Kelly, like in a situation like yours, um, especially if your kids would have been younger, we frequently mm -hmm. see mom buries herself in her children. Yeah. They become the next thing that they attach to. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's just as dangerous because mm -hmm. at some point the kids are either leaving or you <laughs> might be rejected by them. And so the idea here is mm -hmm. you have to know, like, who already set set themselves up on the throne that we need to say, no, it's already been taken care of. That's who I need to attach yeah. my wagon to. He's my redeemer. He's my store restorer. He's my provider. He's the living water. I mean, he is everything. He's my husband. And so I needed this season. I can look back now and say, thank God it happened because I wouldn't be the person I am today had it not. So when you're left, you feel rejected. If you're the person who leaves, you feel guilt and shame for breaking up your family. So being the one who was rejected, what helped me to get over that was Jesus isn't rejecting me. Jesus took every single rejection on the cross. and so. I didn't need to feel rejected because he took it all and he's not rejecting me. So that really helped me to say, I'm not being rejected. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So what, what advice would you give to a couple? Because I, I don't want people to hear this and go, I'm not getting married. I, that, that, that's, <laughs> what would you say to a couple who does want to spend the rest of their life with each other that doesn't want to have this situation down the road? What, what advice would you give them? I believe in marriage. I love marriage. I'm not dating yet, but one day again, I will be remarried. The first covenant God brought together was marriage. I mean, marriage is a good idea. Marriage is a God idea. And so when God is in it, marriage is awesome. In fact, if you look at the Hebrew letters for man and woman, the symbol for God, Yahweh, is the Hebrew letter in the middle. So when you have man and woman with God in the middle, it is beautiful. Is it easy? Is it perfect? No. But with God, you're that three, I know, branded string, uh, string that comes together that is not easily taken apart. So do the pre-marriage, you know, counseling, go to the marriage conferences, keep dating each other, go to church together, you know, get all the workbooks on. There's so many good ones on marriage and love dare and you have to keep fighting for each other. You're supposed to pull out the best in each other, but you also pull out the worst in each other. Your spouse is going to get the worst in you, but they're the most intimate, <laughs> the most intimate person with you, with God. So you get to see that and call that up and out in them too. So it's really such a beautiful thing. The two of you together with God are so much stronger. 
But no matter what, you be strong with God, no matter what happens, because none of us have tomorrow. We're only guaranteed today. So be right with God. Know your strength is in God, not in your spouse. But the two of you together is a representation of heaven on earth. It's what it's God's covenant. So you got to have God in it. You know, um, Kelly, so we do work with we do quite a bit of premarital work. And in the premarital work, you know, um, I actually I read I did a show not too long ago about the idea of, or we did this show about how um, when we did premarital counseling as a couple, <laughs> I rejected every minute of that. He I didn't was like, want to go. This is ridiculous. This is stupid. It's, it's a beautiful weekend, <laughs> and they can't teach me anything. And oh. it, it was that sort of that pride and arrogance that mm-hmm. comes when every 22, 23, 24 year old who thinks that they're all that. And, you know, the idea here is <clears throat> humility and breaking yourself is a process. Mm-hmm. You know, we train our kids up to be strong leaders and you're the commander of everything you do and you're in charge. And we're really shaping them for a ton of arrogance. And the, the seed of, of our faith is through submission. Surrender. Surrender. <laughs> and so, you know, now I think back about how arrogant I was the fact that we mm-hmm. stayed married was just like amazing <laughs> because, you know, I know better. And mm-hmm. so part of the deal is, and, and now I work a lot with men. And now because I see mm-hmm. so many young men, I see myself in them. I'm like, okay, dude, yeah. like we're going to break down this little cockiness in you because if you can't be coachable, mm-hmm. if you refuse to listen, if you refuse, then you're, you're going to go a hard, rough trail in being humbled at some point in time. <laughs> God's going to get your attention. Yeah. Yeah, the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. So whether you get on your knees on your own or you're going to get knocked to your knees, you're going to be on your knees at some point. Yes, and the very first sin was Satan falling from heaven because he wanted to be like God, which was pride. You know, that was ego. And then, you know, Adam and Eve, it was, you know, just more ego all the way through. It's breaking that ego and getting the the humbleness. Yeah. That's the place to be. We could be here all day, Kelly, because I I, I feel like a soul sister here because we we our heart. Wait, where's that put me? (laughs) Well, I'm glad you're here. But but you know, a brother. You know, our heart beats for healthy women and and men who who love the Lord, who put the Lord into their relationships, who recognize their place in that and the place for other people. So as we kind of wrap up, what would be a challenge that you would give? We always try to leave our listeners with a challenge. What would be a challenge? And again, we don't know if they're married or not married. We don't know if they're divorced or, or engaged. What would be uh, just an advice about healthy? I mean, you're a wellness coach. What would be an advice for those out there wanting to get healthy? Well, my barometer for life is always to let love win. That's the lens that I look through when I make all my decisions is, is love winning in this situation? But for a person, I would say, become your authentic self. Like really get to know who you are alone with God, without any other people beside you. You have to become your authentic self and start by looking at your environment because your environment says a lot about you. What What's coming into your ears, your eyes that you can't unsee that maybe needs to be adjusted. And then there's your behaviors. You know, Are your behaviors lined up with your authentic self? Because a lot of behaviors just come out of being lazy. And 95% of what we do after the age of 35 is habitual. So that's part of who you authentically are. So look at those behaviors. And then 
know, we look at our capabilities. What are we capable of doing? And how does that line up with who you really are? Mm -hmm. And then there's your beliefs, because that's where everything starts. Because the beliefs become the thoughts, the thoughts become the words, the words become the actions, the actions become the habits, and the habits make the character, which is ultimately the identity. So back up to the things you're believing and go, are these really true? Mm -hmm. And how are they serving me? Am I believing lies and then finally, all that backs up to your identity, which is in God. So I challenge yourself to really become your authentic self between you and God. Everything you do is between you and God. You're not anyone's savior, not even your spouse's savior. At the end, you're only going to account for your own life. If your children are above 18 or let's be realistic, probably 15, <laughs> you're, not, you're not their savior either. So you're only going to just give an account for your own life. So be your best self, go deep. Your soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions and do whatever it takes to be authentically you because God designed you amazing with zero mistakes and he has a good plan on your life. So get rid of the things that aren't working and aren't true and keep moving towards truth and light and love. love yeah. That. Kelly, uh, you're just hitting the mark on so many different things that, uh, you know, we, we try to talk and preach, mm -hmm. but it, when it comes through somebody else's thought process, especially when it's come through, yeah. because it's, it's authentic, like you yeah. actually had to go through this because <laughs> you didn't it read it way. in a book, you know? <laughs> Um, so it's, it's really awesome to hear. Mm -hmm. So, um, so many of our people are working through divorce, um, or maybe on the edge of, and, um, how could they get in touch with you or see what you're doing? Um, if, if they wanted to reach out or if they, if you have materials or coaching, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, well, I do have a YouTube channel and it's my name. They can find it there with over a hundred videos where I just talk about all the topics that revolve around this, whether it's the grief or rebuilding or depression or any of those things. I also have a website. It's just my name, Kelly with an I, calibries.com. And if you're a woman who is going through separation, divorce, post-divorce, I have a free private Facebook page. It's called Intentionally Fabulous. And it's about, you know, just rebuilding a bonus life. You know, if you, your life with God is the bonus life and everything else just overflows from there. So they can find me at, you know, all the social media places. Uh, if they want to get the divorce coaching program, that's at intentionallyfabulous.com. And there's lots of free stuff there too. So lots of free resources for anyone who needs it. Awesome. Okay. Do you have any public speaking going on? Are you traveling and speaking at all? Or are you mostly into the private coaching thing? Um, I do both. I will speak at corporate events or, you know, conferences. So if someone wants to book me to speak, I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, thank right. you, Kelly, so much for being on our show today. I know we're across the country from each other, but I do feel like we are on the same page and, and wanting the same things for people. And that is just like you said, an authentic self where we really find our identity and our purpose in God and God alone, not in a relationship, not in our career, not in what we look like. That's not what God's looking for. He's looking for the heart. And so I thank you so much for your work that you're doing. We pray for you and and just the ministry that you have, especially with women who are really hurting. And, uh, you know, we just really thank you for being on our show today. 
Uh, well, thank you for all that you're doing. The world really needs what you're doing and, and you are bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth. So thank you. All right. Well, thank you so much again for your time. Uh, we want to thank all of our listeners out there who listen. And we just ask that you, if you hear a show like this, you know, mm -hmm. it doesn't do very much uh, benefit if it just sits on the uh, the platform. Yeah. <laughs> it needs to be listened to. So share it, uh, get it out there. So we appreciate mm -hmm. all the help that we can get with doing that. Um you know, I just want to say thank you, Kelly, specifically, and let's go ahead and just close out. You yeah, ready? thank you so much for our um, for Kelly, but also our sponsors, Casey's Outdoor Solutions and Maxwell Construction, for sponsoring our show today and really sponsoring for what we do. We can get a hold of us at RockSolidFamilies.com, or you can call us at 812-576-ROCK, and we do coaching as well, whether it be Zoom or in person. So thank you so much, Kelly. Let's make it... Uh, strong and healthy Fabulous. Community. What is it? Intentionally fabulous. <laughs> Intentionally fabulous. There, there you go. go. We got it. Thank Thanks. you. Rock Solid Radio wants to thank Casey's Outdoor Solutions. Casey's is a premier garden center and gift shop located in Lawrenceburg, Indiana. They offer a wide selection of high-quality plants, landscaping materials, and home decor. They do amazing high-quality work and can help you transform your indoor and outdoor living spaces into something beautiful. So stop by Casey's Outdoor Solutions today and let them know you appreciate their support for Rock Solid Radio. Visit Casey's today at 21481 State Line Road, Lawrenceburg, Indiana.